Broadcasting from atop the Hensler Financial Building in the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia, this is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm not George, and I'm not here with Wheezy, but uh, I am Troy Harmon, and uh, I'm here with Jennifer Thomas and Jessica Thomas, Jessie Thomas, as we all know her. So, Jesse, we got you on, and I did mention earlier that you are a CPA, and we have lots of uh, questions for CPAs, and almost always the answer is... It depends. There you go. So that's that's probably number one question on the CPA exam. They give you a big, long list mm-hmm. of things, and you just have to check that one box. It depends. Yep. Once you know that, you're good. Yeah, you got it covered. Uh, so we've got a situation we want to talk about. Anton and Asia. Uh, made a lot of financial transactions this year. They bought and sold stocks when uh, they rebalanced their portfolio. They did some tax loss harvesting in June, which we can talk about that. It's a, a popular way to uh, kind of manage your tax situation. Mm-hmm. Um, they inherited stock, uh, keeping some and selling others, and uh, they sold an inherited coin collection, and they also received dividends, which is a... a, a popular thing they didn't reinvest them but i don't know that it matters right no not from a tax perspective yeah okay so um can you walk us through kind of what uh what to look for i know there's timing issues as Mm -hmm. to when you uh you know when you bought and then when you sold certain things and then when it comes to inherited uh assets uh there's also issues that uh that make a difference on the taxation of those um can you can you flesh that out yes so kind of the two kind of holding periods that most people think of are the short term and long term okay so short term is anything you hold for a year or less and long term is anything you hold for a year and a day or more year and a day year and a day that day is very important um because it can make a big difference you know short term Capital gains are taxed at ordinary income rates, which, depending on how much money you've made elsewhere, can be as high as 37%, whereas the maximum long-term capital gain rate on the table is at 20%. And that 20% is somewhat rare, too. You'd have to be in the top tax bracket to be taxed mm-hmm. at that 20%. Otherwise, it's you a know, lower rate. Either right? 0 or 15. 0 or 15%. Okay, so... Um, if if uh, you bought something, you got to pay attention to what the cost was if it's in a taxable account. Mm-hmm. So for retirement accounts, this all's out the window, right? Right, because if, if you've got it in a retirement account, you know it's growing, kind of. It's going tax, tax deferred. Deferred. So Unless that's going to be at Roth. ordinary rates either way. Right. right. You're only taxed when you pull the money out of the retirement mm-hmm. account. Right. And, it, and at when you do that. At ordinary income. At ordinary income. Yes. Right. Uh, the only way you can avoid it is really not by avoiding it at all. If you have a Roth, you pay tax on it, then you put it in your Roth. Right. And mm-hmm. you get taxed no more, right? Right. And I, I am going to go against the CPA way and say that, you know, sometimes it's not good to hold it to long term. I mean, we're. As a CPA, I want to save you as much money as I can with the exception that I want it to be what's best for you. So, you know, if you buy a stock and three months later it's not performing well and your financial advisor is telling you to sell, but you do have a gain and there a slight gain and you're wondering if you should hold it until that year and a day, 
maybe three months isn't the right time to do that. Maybe you take the short-term capital gain because you're afraid that it is going to fall to a loss. Um, it's more if you are thinking about selling something at 11 months and 15 days, you know, it, it may be time to consider holding for holding a, couple, them of more for a couple more weeks. Yeah, and yeah. another situation might be that you bought it and it jumped up. And, mm-hmm. you know, like you've got all, all of a sudden, a, like you've maybe doubled your money in a very short period of time, but you know that realistically it may not stay there, then you may want to go ahead and take some off the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you know, and that's why t- sometimes tax loss harvesting is very important. That's where you're looking at selling something at a loss to offset any gain that you may have taken. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you do that, uh, you know, if uh, like they said, they rebalance their portfolio. Usually if you rebalance, you're going to have some gains and some losses. Now, we'll tell you in current market environments, uh, especially if you've been investing for 10 years or more, the market has done very little decline. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got significant gains on, on uh, many or most stocks. But, uh, you know, there, there are some. If you've been buying along the way you've probably got something in there that you could sell at a loss. Now, tax loss harvesting, there's some rules around that as well. Yes. So they consider it what they call a wash sale if you sell something and then within 30 days buy something that is substantially identical. Or identical. Or, or identical. Right. Um, so you do want to be careful there because they will disallow um, the loss if you sell and then purchase again in 30 days. So with exchange-traded funds, I guess this makes it a whole lot easier to buy something that's very similar. So Correct. if you sold one ETF that, that followed a certain strategy, say the S&P 500, mm-hmm. and you decided instead of staying out of the market with that money, le- leaving it in cash for 31 days, mm-hmm. you would buy another exchange-traded fund that also followed that same strategy, the S&P 500? Correct. You're going to get dinged by the by the IRS. Yes. Not going to be allowed to take that loss, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's just because they consider you're you know you're trying to sell quickly and then repurchase the same yeah. thing for a tax strategy, so they don't want to see that. Um, some of the other things you know they mentioned the inherited stock you will get a step up in basis right. um, when you inherit you know when somebody's deceased to their basis. Right. Um. So, or from their basis, from their rather. Basis. Yeah, so mm-hmm. quite often what you'll have is somebody bought Home Depot stocks back in the 80s. Uh, you've got a very low uh, tax basis or a cost mm-hmm. basis in that particular stock. And uh, if they should sell it, then you're going to get taxed long-term capital long-term gain. Long-term capital gain. But it's still going to be a lot of money relative to if you if you just wanted to uh, wait and pass that on to the next generation or whomever. Mm-hmm. And and uh, at that point, then they get a step up to the cost at the at point the of passing. Point of the, death or there's or an six elected months month right. for six months. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can, you've got a bit of a choice from yes. that yeah. day to six months after, right? Mm-hmm. And the same with, uh, I think they mentioned, you know, having inherited a coin collection. It doesn't say when they've inherited that, right. um, but assuming that they inherited it and held it for a while and then tried to sell it, um, it is important to remember that any collectibles rather than business sales or stock sales are at 28%. Um, so this is art, antiques, gems, rare wines, brandies, coins, anything kind of of that nature. Right. Yeah, some of those things we don't really do a whole lot with as investment advisors, but they right. still have. Right, it is uh, out there. Yeah, they still have uh, tax consequences that you can you can deal with. So Jesse, we were talking before the break again about um, 
taxation of investments and uh, long-term versus short-term. Um, some of the things that uh, that we ought to know, uh, just as uh, probably the most constant thing in any uh, aspect of life, uh, change has come to investing, and that change recently has been uh, the reduction to zero of trading costs at many custodians. I know Schwab, Charles Schwab and Company, uh, started the started the fight going from uh, it started. I th- you know what's so crazy is the very first investment I ever made. Uh, I had to call into a broker. You can't get any of the pricing. Cost me $125, and guess what? I only had like $1,500 to invest at mm-hmm. the time. It was bizarre and, and ridiculous when you think about it in today's terms, but that is the absolute truth. It was some company down in Florida that uh, was absolutely happy as clams to take my money, and then came the Internet, and uh, we saw prices fall to somewhere around 20 bucks a trade. Uh, over the last few years, though, they've gone from 20 to 12.95 to 4.95 to now zero. And what that does is actually help you instead of having to buy in order to get diversified with a single trade, uh, where today you can also buy exchange-traded funds uh, or mutual funds. Now that trading cost goes away, and it actually makes it easier for you to buy individual securities, which is one of the things that we at Hensler do for our clients. Basically, we create a uh, mutual fund-like investment portfolio by buying individual stocks for them at specific weights that we deem uh, to have benefits from diversification, sector allocation, and uh, selection among the companies uh, that we look at, which are high quality in our opinion. But, you know, just a couple of years ago, uh, I was talking about this. The market was up 10 or 12%. And I uh, got to look, and, and when I say the market, I'm talking about the S&P 500. Of those 500 companies, about 25% of them were actually negative, while the S&P 500 index was up 10 12%. Mm-hmm. So if you had rebalanced during the year, you might have gains, but you could go back and, you know, if 25% of the market is negative, is you know, has fallen during the year, you can probably find a few stocks in your own portfolio where you could sell those and manage your tax situation. We talked about, uh, you know, tax loss harvesting, and that's really the way it works. Right. And, you know, it is great. You you can use up to $3,000 of those losses every year in excess of your gains. Um, But it is nice, too, you know, if you have a lot of gain, you know, maybe for round numbers, 50,000 short-term and 50,000 long-term, and you've got 75000 of loss that you can harvest um, between the two. So you do that. The, the only downside there is that that remainder, that 25000 gain, they're going to treat as, you know, short-term unless it comes from short-term stock. So I see. It, you can apply it across, but, you know, if it's a capital loss carry forward, they're, they're going to treat that remainder as, as short-term, which may put you in a – you know, kind of a higher tax situation sure. than the yeah. long-term You rates. just want to pay attention, you know, as you were saying before, when you're selling something for a gain, you know, is it short-term, is it long-term? If I held it for just a little bit longer, would I be better right. off? You know, but or is the reason that I'm selling it more important for me to go ahead and take it and take the short-term gain? Right. Um, you know, sometimes all of a sudden somebody has a need for the cash and they have to have the cash at that time. So mm-hmm. you have to, you know. Do and, what you can. Yeah. 
Yeah, but if you have time during the right. year and your your situation gets worked out, you can go back yeah. and, and manage a little bit just to, to keep yourself from paying taxes. And, Jesse, I, I totally appreciate what you were saying earlier. Ultimately, none of us can tell the future, mm-hmm. but what we try to do is manage so that after taxes, you have the absolute best return uh, that, that we can possibly get you. Right, and, and you know, sometimes... You hear people, oh, you know, harvest all your losses, but if you don't have the gains to offset them and you're only getting $3,000 a year going forward, you know, are you harvesting more loss than you can use? Right. Um, unless no you're expecting a gain, it. there's no reason to waste it if you think that stock is going to perform better in the future. And right. at the same time, if you have a, let's say you invested in a piece of property that you know, maybe it wasn't stocks, but you invested in a piece of property that the value fell significantly and you sold it and you had a loss out there. You wouldn't just necessarily, if you if you have gains in the stocks that you have, but there are still stocks that you want to own, there's no reason for you to go in there and sell them and use up the loss just right. to use it. Right. Um, you know, because eventually you would think that over time you're going to rebalance your portfolio sure. where some of those gains are going to come you know, mm-hmm. forward. Right. Um, going back to where you were talking about the commissions going to zero, and it is, I mean, there's so many advantages of using individual stocks. There's the tax advantage of being able to right. um, use the loss carry forward. You still would need to have enough um, money to diversify sure. to use individual stocks. So That's just because... Correct. They've done this, uh, you know, if you, one, you're not sure of how best to invest the money and what stocks to purchase, then you may want to stick with something that is a mutual fund where you know that you're getting something more performing like the market does. Right. Or unless you're going to use someone to help you make those choices or you yourself research and, you know, take the time to do that. Um, the other thing is you still want to have enough money to invest, you know, where you can buy stocks in each of the different sectors Mm -hmm. and um, diversify yourself across the board. Absolutely. And that is the benefit for for exchange-traded funds and mutual funds. And to be honest with you, there's a difference between the two. Exchange-traded funds usually are what we call a passive investment, uh, wherein, you know, if you want exposure to large-cap companies, you go in, you find yourself an exchange-traded fund that matches the S&P 500, you buy that. Um, with a mutual fund, you go and you find a mutual fund that, that trades in large company stocks, uh, but it's usually actively managed by a professional. Both of them can provide you with, uh, with the diversification benefits of investments, but um, the one that's professionally managed, while the fees might be greater, the performance numbers that they show are after those fees. Quite often, those folks can beat the market on, uh, you know, on on a regular basis. And if they're doing that, really, why do you get caught up so much in the fee that you're paying them if you're outperforming the passive investment strategy? Um, And more often than not, you're not going to see somebody that beats the market year after year after Mm -hmm. year. But over a long period of time, the thing the market uh, exchange traded fund doesn't take into account is, when the market's down, I really don't want to match the market. And quite often, active management wins in those tough times. When when you see the market decline significantly, the active manager will 
uh, put things into place where it's a bit more conservative than the overall market. Whereas if you've got a strategy that just tells you, I'm going to follow the market, guess what? You're going to fall right with it. 52% decline from October 7th or 9th of 07 through March 9th of 09. Uh, you know, that, that was a pretty tough pill to swallow. Um, but if you had been with an active manager, you could probably have found somebody in a mutual fund manager that would have given you some benefits from that. Um, the, the great point here is, though, if you buy individual stocks, it's a lot easier to manage your tax situation. Yes, it sure. is. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a real quick break. And when we come back, we're going to answer a few more financial questions. Uh, stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. And we'll be right back. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products. <laughs> 